Welcome to Mornings with Jesus. This is a live, interactive Bible study where we can connect with Christ and community daily and deeply. Join us every weekday morning at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time as we read a chapter of the Bible, pray, and share our reflections. Whether you are joining live or on the replay, I know God will meet you here. I also want to invite you to the Faith Mamas Tribe app. This is a free app where women of faith can connect, be encouraged, and have their faith strengthened. It's the online social space I know you've been looking for. So make sure to do three things before we start. One, subscribe to this channel. Two, share this with a friend. And three, download the app. Trust me, you'll be glad you did. Now let's dive in today's Morning with Jesus. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Mornings with Jesus. I will have to be honest. I saw my sister Tamika Oliver's name pop up, and I was like, ah, Tamika. Hey, sis, so glad that you are here. If this is your first time here, hello and welcome. My name is Dominique Young, and I am excited to be here with you to study the Bible right alongside you. If you are looking for a community of women to study the Bible alongside, then you are absolutely in the right Place And I am glad that you are here. But before we jump in to today's chapter, which is Joshua chapter 16, before we do that, I want to say good morning to some of my friends that I see here live this morning. Good morning, Joanne. Good morning to Lilith. Good morning, Erica. Good morning, Brickell. Good morning, Audrey. Good morning, Shanda. Good morning, April. Good morning, Brandy. Good morning, Tamika. Good day, Anastasia, because I think it's afternoon where you are, if I'm not mistaken. Good morning, Shanda. Good morning, Roma. Good morning, Donita. Good morning, CJ. Good morning, Bevy. So glad to see you guys this morning, early, early, early morning in the app, uh, in the app and on on YouTube. I'm like, where am I? In the app and on YouTube. And if you've been here, you know how we like to do it. Before we start, let's go ahead and share what are you grateful to God for this morning? What are you grateful to God for this morning? Good morning, Medea. So glad to see you. I would like to say that I am grateful to God for some of the changes and tweaks that we're making in the app. There's been some faith mamas that have shared that they've had seizures. And so having a darker screen um, to type on really helps. So I'm glad that we're now able to kind of switch that over to like a dark mode um, on there. And so we're still tweaking it. We're still working with it, but I'm just really grateful to be able to do that. And I'm really grateful that we have this space um, to be able to do that on. And also just a brief announcement if you are looking to try to figure out how to control these uh, notifications, we've actually made pretty much every space in the app joinable and unjoinable. So if there is a particular space that you just are like, I don't really need notifications from there, you can go click unjoin or, or leave that space and then you can kind of control your notifications there and a couple of other places. Um, but I um, but I will definitely... Um, put a video in the app about all the different changes that we're trying to make to make it easier and better for those that are using 
the app. But what are you guys grateful for? That is my question. What are you guys grateful for? Erica says, I'm grateful for friends. Praise the Lord. That is so awesome. Yes, me too. Bevy says, today I'm just grateful to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tamika says, I'm grateful that God and I have a better connection. Praise the Lord. Amen. God is good. Medea says, I'm grateful for God's blessing over my family's lives. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Lilith says, I'm grateful to God for this morning. I'm ready to study his word. Yay. Woohoo. Amen. Me too. Me too. I'm excited about it. Uh, Joanne says, I'm grateful for another morning to study God's word and a willingness, a willingness in my heart to do so. Amen. Brandy says, I'm grateful for God's uh, the God led talk I had with my husband last night. I love don't you love it when like God shows up in your relationships and God shows up in your conversations? It's absolutely beautiful. Shanda says, grateful for how a good night's sleep and how God is moving. He is always up to something good, regardless of how things may look. So true. Shannon says, good morning. I am grateful for faith, mamas. We are grateful for you. We're grateful that you're here. Romans is grateful that the steadfast love of the Lord never ends. Amen. CJ says, I'm grateful to God for not giving up on me. Come on. Hallelujah. Anastasia says, thankful I can listen in today while busy. Grateful for the Bible studies. We're grateful that you're here. And I love that people are here in different time zones. Like for some people, they're like, it's early, early morning. For some people, they're like in the height of their day and they're still, you know, going and help, um, working with their kids and taking their lunch break and things like that. So I just think it's amazing that we have the opportunity to um, study the Bible alongside one another. Um, no matter what time frame it is. For Erica, it's 5 a.m. where she is. Um, for I, I think for for Karen, it's like 3 a.m. where she is. I believe where where um, Anastasia is, it's like either noon or one, somewhere in that midday time range. So it's pretty amazing. Donita says, I'm grateful for the wise counsel through friends that helps remind me of God's promises when I get tired or out of focus. God is faithful. Amen. Audrey says, I'm grateful for my daughter, Demetra, introducing me to Faith Mamas. God is good. Yes, my cousin. I love I love the whole family. I'm so glad that you are here. And I'm so, so, so grateful um, that, that you just share all the awesome things that God is doing in your life. And through the study, I'm just, y'all, I keep commenting on everybody's gratitude because I'm literally grateful for all the things that you say you're grateful for too. So this is awesome. April says, I'm grateful to God for being able to study with you guys. Me too, sis. I get excited every time I see you. I got something flying in front of my face. I get excited every time I see you here. Amen. Donita says, I'm grateful for wise counsel. And I think Donita also said, this was a press this morning. Sis, I get it. We were praying for you. I'm praying for all the people that are pressing this morning. Like, whew, this morning was, you know, extra for, for some of us. It was a little extra. <laughs> Tamika says, grateful to be here. Thank you all for your prayers for myself and my family. I love you all. We love you too, sis. We love you too. And let Emma know we love her. Give her a big squeeze for us. Raquel says, I'm grateful for God changing my perspective so I can see myself the way he does. Amen. Good morning, Natalia. Good morning, Tess. Good morning. Good morning. All right, y'all. 
Well, we are getting ready to jump into Joshua chapter 16. We are getting ready to jump into Joshua chapter 16, and I am excited about reading this with you all. And I'm going to go ahead and open us up in prayer, but don't let me stop your praise, okay? So if you're here and you got a praise and you got to let it out, type it in the comments, shout it out to God, let God know if you are on the replay, type it in the comments, let God know, shout it out, let him know that you're grateful. Even if you got to pause the video right here so you can get all your praise out before we start, um, please do, because I really believe that it is super, um, super important that we praise God and that we thank God and that we remind ourselves that no matter what it looks like in our current situation, that God is good. And we, we look for his goodness everywhere, because I'm telling you, it's there. Even in the midst of the hardest moments, the goodness of God is there. So let's go ahead and jump into prayer. We're going to be praying for Emma as well, because Tamika says um, she's struggling with her health, but God is able. Amen. God is able. So let's please keep Emma in our prayers um, as we go forward in prayer. And if you guys have a prayer journal or anything like that, please write her name down. That would be awesome. Um, that would be awesome. And please write my friend Cheryl's name down. Uh, Tess, let us know how Cheryl is doing. Um, I got to check my email and see if she sent me any emails, but um, let us know how Cheryl is doing. We'll keep both of them in our prayers this morning. Let's go ahead and pray as we pray as we continue and go into Joshua 16. But let's pray. Ah, Father God, first and foremost, we say thank you. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Thank you, Lord, for how you're moving in our lives. Lord, we are so grateful for the opportunity to read the scriptures alongside our sisters. Lord God, we are so grateful for the opportunity to just get to know you in this way. And Father, we pray that as we continue to read your word, that you would draw us near to you and that you would help us to see you. God, we lift up our sisters. We lift up Emma. We lift up Cheryl, um, Lord, to you. And Father God, we just ask, Lord, that you would continue to touch their bodies and heal them from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet, from their left fingertips to their right fingertips, God. And Lord God, we thank you so much for what you're doing in their lives, even in the midst of the storm. Father, we ask that um, you be with us as we study this word this morning, as we study Joshua chapter 16, and that you show us what it is that you want us to see in the mighty name of Jesus. Wherever you lead us, we will follow in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 I got the morning sniffles today, so pray for me, y'all. I don't know. I'm telling you, it just happens in the morning and then it goes away. It's very strange. Um, <laughs> all right. We are going to be reading Joshua chapter 16. And if you've never read with us before, we are going to read the chapter two times. The first time we will read um, straight through. And I want you to get a picture in your mind about what's actually happening in the chapter. <laughs> The second time, feel free to take out your pens, take out your highlighters, um, take out whatever, you know, whatever you use to take notes, your notebook, and go ahead and write the big takeaways and the key takeaways that you have from this chapter. And then we'll go into a time of personal reflection, and then we'll move into a time of, oh, we'll go into a time of personal reflection, and then we'll move into a time of corporate reflection. I apologize to those in the app. I forgot to click a button. Thank you, Bevy, for letting me know we weren't live in the app. 
Hey guys, <laughs> thank you for typing in your gratitude. We are on to um, reading the Bible. Hold on one second, y'all. I got to deal with my nose, but I'll be right back because my nose is going crazy. I'll be right back. Hold on. All right. I just didn't want to blow my nose in your face. Okay. So here we go. We're going to jump into Joshua chapter 16. I'm reading from the CSB translation. You can feel free to read from whatever translation you have available to you. We are in Joshua chapter 16. Here we go. Joshua chapter 16. The allotment for the descendants of Joseph went from the Jordan at Jericho to the waters of Jericho on the east through the wilderness ascending from Jericho into the hill country of Bethel. From Bethel, it went to Luz and proceeded to the border of the Archetites by Etaroth. It then descended westward to the border of the Japhelites as far as the border of Lower Bethhoron, then to Gezer, and ended at the Mediterranean Sea. So Ephraim and Manasseh, the sons of Joseph, received their inheritance. This was the territory of the descendants of Ephraim by their clans. The border of their inheritance went from Ataroth Adar on the east to Upper Beth Horon. In the north, the border went westward from Mekithath. It turned eastward from Tanoth, Shiloh, and passed it east of Janoa. From Janoa, it descended to Ataroth and Nairoth, and then reached Jericho and went to Jordan. From Tapua, the border went westward along the brook of Cana, and ended at the Mediterranean Sea. This was the inheritance of the tribe of the descendants of Ephraim by their clans together with the cities set apart for the descendants of Ephraim within the inheritance of the descendants of Manasseh. All these cities with their settlements, however, they did not drive out the Canaanites who lived in Gezer. So the Canaanites still live in Ephraim today, but they are forced laborers, laborers. Let's read this chapter one more time. Here we go. Joshua chapter 16. The allotment for the descendants of Joseph went from the Jordan at Jericho to the waters of Jericho on the east through the wilderness ascending from Jericho into the hill country of Bethel. From Bethel, it went to Luz and proceeded to the border of the Archetites by Ataroth. It then descended westward to the border of the Japhelites, as far as the border of Lower Bethhoron, then to Gezer, and ended at the Mediterranean Sea. So Ephraim and Manasseh, the sons of Joseph, received their inheritance. This was the territory of the descendants of Ephraim by their clans. 
The border of their inheritance went from Ataroth Adar on the east to up the upper Bethhoron. In the north, the border went westward from Mithath. It turned eastward from Tanath Shiloh and passed it east of Genoa. From Genoa, it descended to Ataroth and Naira and then reached Jericho and went to the Jordan. From Tapua, the border went westward along the brook of, the, of Cana and ended at the Mediterranean Sea. This was the inheritance of the tribe, the descendants of Ephraim by their clans, together with the cities set apart for the descendants of Ephraim, Ephraim within the inheritance of the descendants of Manasseh, all these cities with their settlements. However, they did not drive out the Canaanites who lived in Gezer. So the Canaanites still live in Ephraim today, but they are forced laborers. All right, y'all, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to be able to read Joshua chapter 16. And Lord, we ask that as we go into this time of reflection, that you help us to did you help us to see you? Lord, there's so many things that we're watching happen with the children of Israel, but we pray, Father, that you help us to see you through it all. Lord, our desire is not just to get an encouraging word for our day. Our desire is to know you better, know you more than we knew you before, and that every day we get an opportunity to learn about you. So, Father, I pray that you would you would show us you, you would draw us closer to you. And Lord God, through that, you would show us our own hearts and any areas of our hearts that you would like to cleanse. Father, we thank you. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise. And we ask you to have your way in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's take a few moments to reflect on Joshua chapter 16 um, personally, and then we will come back and we will reflect on this chapter corporately. Here we go. All right, we are back to talk about this very, very short chapter um, and what's happening. And before we jump into corporate reflection, let me give a little bit of background. So where are we in the story of Israel? So ultimately, what, what has happened is that 
Um, they have now taken the land in Canaan. There was a whole bunch of chapters all about war. And now they're talking about how they're dividing up the land, how God is leading them to divide up the land so that each tribe gets the land that is allotted to them. And in this chapter, we're specifically talking about the land that is allotted to Joseph's um, to Joseph's descendants. Now, the amazing thing about Joseph, so let's go back, way back to Genesis, then talk a little bit about Joseph. So Joseph was one of the 12 brothers of Israel. Israel was a man, right? Israel was a man. His name originally was Jacob. God changed his name to Israel. And so out of the 12 sons of Israel, Joseph was one of those sons. And Joseph was hated by his brothers because, because they felt like his, their father loved him more. Um, and so they hated Joseph. They hated him so much that they threw him in a well, sold him into slavery. Their original plan was to kill him, first of all. Their original plan was to kill him. But they ended up throwing him into well, selling him into slavery. And then Joseph's journey of pain started from there. He went from slavery. Then he got falsely accused by his, his master's wife. He got thrown into prison. And then when he was in prison, he uh, the, the Pharaoh's cupbearer and the Pharaoh's baker um, came to Joseph to get a dream interpreted. He interpreted the dream. He asked the cupbearer, please, when you get back into the house uh, of Pharaoh, please don't forget about me. The cupbearer goes and forgets about him. <laughs> but then uh, Pharaoh has a dream and he remembers Joseph. Joseph comes and tells the dream of Pharaoh. And then Pharaoh raises Joseph up to second in command in Egypt. And because of that, um, the famine that hit the land. Uh, wasn't as detrimental to those that were in Egypt and also to his family. That's how his family got to Egypt. So this is Joseph, right? And the interesting thing about Joseph here in the dividing up of the lands is that Joseph ultimately got a double portion of land because the land wasn't just under Joseph's name. Like Judah was a person, right? Judah was one of the, the 12 brothers. And we see that Judah got land, not his sons. It wasn't under his son's name. There was no double portion. It was just Judah. Joseph is different because it was his sons that got the land allotment. So Manasseh was one of his sons, the descendants of Manasseh, and Ephraim was another one of his sons, the descendants of Ephraim. So it's really interesting to see Joseph and how, uh, I think Erica said it, how he is still being blessed for his faithfulness to God way back when, which is absolutely amazing. So now my question to you is what is standing out to you all in this chapter? What is standing out to you all in this chapter? Bellis is, um, Bellis is grateful to have made it on time to read the chapter. Praise God. So glad. I'm so glad to see everybody. This is so awesome. CJ says, the end of verse three and eight ended at the Mediterranean Sea. Also, the last verse, verse 10, the Canaanites served as forced laborers. Ooh, yes. So ultimately, they were slaves. They made these people slaves. Um, and so let's come back to that. Pin that on the wall. Let's come back to that because that stood out to me as well. 
Erica says, verse one, Joseph is still being blessed. Come on, that double portion. He got two double portion. Brandy says, the Mediterranean Sea is standing out to me. I'm not sure why. Hmm. All right, we're going to look into that. Erica says, verse 10, they did not drive out the Canaanites and they became laborers. Yep. Yep. That same thing is standing out to Tamika uh, around the same part. Verse 9 and 10, she says, the cities set apart for the descendants of Ephraim within the inheritance of the descendants of Manasseh. All these cities with their settlements. However, they did not drive out the Canaanites who lived in Gezer. So the Canaanites still lived in Ephraim today, but they are forced laborers. Genesis verse four, they received their inheritance, seeing God's faithfulness one bite at a time. Verse 10, did not drive out Canaanites, slip into almost obeying again. We get comfortable in our inheritance. Donita says, verse four stood out to me. Joseph's sons received their inheritance. Come on. Lilith says, verse nine stood out. So that verse nine and 10 is standing out to a lot of people. Roman says, I love the meanings of Joseph's kids' names. Manasseh means God made me forget all my troubles in the land I suffered. And Ephraim, God has made me fruitful in the land I suffered. Come on. Hallelujah. Woo. Hey, Cherie. So glad to see Genesis. Uh, Genesis says, and it can lead to disobedience if we aren't intentional in completing the work. Come on. All right. So I'll be honest. When I was looking at this chapter and I was kind of studying and I was like, all right, Lord, what do you want to show me in this chapter? So I went to the, uh, I went to the devotional guide um, to see who wrote the devotional for this particular chapter. And I saw that it was Bailey. And Bailey wrote a really interesting devotional that got me thinking. And in this devotional, she began to talk about this verse 9 and 10, where it says the cities set apart for the descendants of Ephraim within the inheritance of the descendants of Manasseh. All these cities were with their settlements. However, they did not drive out the Canaanites who lived in Gezer. So the Canaanites still lived in Ephraim today but they are forced laborers. And she began to identify that, hold on, wait. God didn't tell them to go and make people forced laborers. God didn't tell them to go and make people slaves. He told them to drive them out of the land. He didn't tell them to go and make slaves out of the people. So she began to identify, hold on, this is partial obedience here. And if we look, we're going to look at, um, we're going to study the book of Judges and we're going to get into all of this. But if we look at it throughout the course of time, this actually got them into some trouble. Because eventually what happens is that the children of Israel began to kind of lean towards the gods of the nations that they allowed to remain in the land. They began to worship those gods. They began to do the things that they they did. And then in the book of Judges, it continues to say they did whatever they thought to do, whatever they wanted to do, they did. And a lot of times you'll see a connection between some of the surrounding nations or the nations that they are kind of mingling with um, that that it's kind of seeping into their culture as well. Now, the issue is, 
that they figured, well, if we make them slaves, at least we are like in control. At least we're in control of this and we've made them slaves. But the problem is that that's not what God told them to do. And we see this, we're going to see this continue to come up throughout their journey where the children of Israel will be partially obedient to what God said. Like, I, oh, okay, I'll do this and then I won't do this because I mean, this seems like it's good for me. Like I, we need some laborers. We need, you know, we need people to do the work that we don't want to do. So yeah, we'll just keep the people here and we'll make them forced laborers. We'll turn them into slaves. It's great. It's wonderful. But it's partial obedience. It's partial obedience. We see the same thing happen to King Saul where God asked King Saul to do something specific and he did it halfway. God, I ask God, and, and even though I don't like war in the scriptures, we got to look at the principle that it's showing us throughout the scripture. In this particular passage or story, God told King Saul to wipe out this whole group of people, everything, wipe it all out, which is like gut-wrenching to me, but that's what he said. Now, King Saul decided, well, we'll wipe out the people, but we'll keep the stuff. We'll keep the, the 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 sheep and the cattle and all this stuff. And God was like, no, that's not what I said. I said all of it, right? All of it. And then we see another partial obedience with King Saul when he was supposed to wait for the prophet Samuel to get there to do, to do an, a particular offering. But he didn't wait, but he did the offering. But he didn't wait for the prophet Samuel to get there. He did it on his own. He figured, well, all God really wants is, the, is this to be done, right? So I'm just going to do this. So we see this journey throughout scripture. Why does God continue to show us this throughout scripture? And if we continue to read Israel's story, we know that the fact that they did this, it's actually going to come and bite them because they're going to start doing stuff they shouldn't be doing because of what partial obedience. And a lot of times we'll like, we'll say, well, God just really wants us in the land. That's what, that's God's main purpose. He just really wants us in the land. So we're here, you know, we're here in the land. That's what God wanted, right? So, you know, we don't really have to worry about, you know, we just make these people laborers. It's fine. This is what God really wants. But the truth is the scriptures say obedience is better than sacrifice. God actually wants us to listen to him and do what he said. Mm. Donita said partial obedience is a nice way of saying disobedience. It's true. Same way I tell my child a half truth is really just a lie. Yeah. Yeah. Joanne says the whole chapter of detailing all of the land to the sons of Joseph. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Erica says, I'm definitely guilty of doing too many things halfway. God help me to keep listening to you and to be strong in your strength. Hallelujah. Donita says, definitely a bunch of heart checks, check moments for me. God gives me clear instructions, but if I tweak it even a little bit towards what will be comfortable for me, it is a problem. Janice says, yes, it's like they want to be able to say, but I tried and it'd be good enough. Yet really, they were just doing what they felt like. 
And we're going to see this. We're going to see right now. It's not as clear. It's like, well, it's just, but we're going to see this play out throughout scriptures as we move through the book of Joshua into the book of Judges. We're thinking, well, they got the blessing. They got the promised land. They got what they wanted. But the trouble with that mindset, when we're always after what we want, we will be willing to put down what God wants. That's the tricky part. We see this throughout scripture. We see this throughout scripture. And unfortunately, we see it kind of seep into some of our own theology as well, understanding of God. We determine that, well, God just wants to give us this thing. And so now that we've got this thing, it's all good. But we have to understand that God's main mission is not just to give you stuff. This is why God gives the whole picture of what he wants. God's main mission is not just to give you stuff. God's mission is what? The redemption and reconciliation of humanity back to him. That is God's mission. So if I relegate God's mission to my personal promised land, then I will be willing to put down things that God is saying because I'm like, well, I got my promised land already. Isn't that what you wanted, God? You wanted me to get my stuff. But that's not his main mission. So when we try to impose our mission onto God's mission, we stop being obedient. Well, God, you know, you really wanted this for me, right? No, (laughs) I wanted the obedience because I'm going somewhere with it. Audrey says half obedience is disobedience. One act of obedience is a blessing for future generations. We should heed this. What are we not obeying God God today that will impact our children? And I love that she says that because you see this interplay in this whole chapter. Joseph's obedience. We see a double portion of land given to his descendants because of Joseph's obedience in the midst of trials. But now we see Joseph's descendants accessing that that blessing from Joseph's obedience. But now we see disobedience from them that's now going to impact their generations. And we're going to see it. Watch watch what happens in Judges. Watch. We're going to see it. So their disobedience is going to impact their generation. So there's an interplay here that I love that Audrey... Um, brings out where it's like both parts, whether it's my obedience to God or my disobedience to God will impact the next generation. And this is not like, oh my gosh, I've made all these mistakes and da, 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 da. No, no, no. This is just, God is like, this is how, this is just how it works. He's showing us patterns across time. And then we can look at it in our life and say, yeah, that's true. So the obedience to God actually impacts not just me, but generations. Why? Because we got to go back to the mission of God, the redemption and reconciliation of humanity back to him, which means that he's going to use your obedience to draw generations back to him. It is a pattern throughout scripture. And it's a pattern even now. 
So even if we're like Joseph, where we feel like our obedience just keeps landing us in uncomfortable places, we can be confident in the fact that even if it's not comfortable right now, it will be a benefit to the generations after me. Brandy says, I have definitely found a loophole in many of God's plans for me. Me too, sis. I feel it's because I'm not sure if I'm hearing God fully. Do I do this now or is this for later? Yeah. Yeah, I understand that completely. And one of the things is, one of the things I think that will help us so much as a body of Christ is learning how to hear God, right? And understanding that God is not in a, he's not in a rush. It's not like he's like, go do it right now. But when we know it's God, we move. When we don't know it's God, we ask. Gideon asked, we're going to see that. Gideon asked for sides because he wasn't quite sure. That's fine. But when we get sure and when we know what God said, we do what he said. When we know the direction of the Lord, we move in that direction, right? If we're not sure, ask. In James, it says that if we ask for wisdom, God is going to give it to us. We've twisted that scripture all over the place, but it says if we ask for wisdom, God will give it to us. So if we're not sure, we ask, right? Erica says, how will I know God's plan to be obedient? Learn who God is and stay close. Come on. That's it. Learn who God is and stay close. And if I'm not sure, just ask. But now when I'm sure, then I walk in the direction that God is pointing me in. Then I walk in the direction that God is pointing me in. And then my obedience will impact the next generation. And that for me is an encouragement when the obedience of God, to God is uncomfortable. There are plenty of things that God has asked me to do that when I did them, it felt like everything got worse. Has that ever happened to anybody? I, I, I did what God said do, and then it just got worse. Like, it just like, it felt like everything started falling apart. And I was like, oh, but there is comfort in knowing if we look at Joseph's story, there's comfort in knowing that even if my obedience to God right now leads to a storm right now, I can be confident that based on the pattern of scripture and based on how God does things, that generations after me will be blessed by this obedience. So I will stand in the storm, in the middle of the storm, obedient to God, knowing that God is up to something that's generational. And when we disobey God knowingly, now I'm not talking about when we don't know what God says, but when we disobey God knowingly, we have to understand that I am choosing right now comfort in exchange for a for future generations i'm choosing that we've got to understand that we've got to understand that and one of the things that i find that's most difficult about being a human well there's a lot of things i find difficult about being a human but in a, in a, i live in america so i'm part of a western mindset so in, and i know we have people from all different places but in the west we are kind of taught this idea of independence and autonomy. 
basically that I am responsible for my own happiness and that they over there are responsible for theirs. I am taught that I am an independent island and that 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 what I do impacts me and that I should champion me over everybody else and have autonomy. And that's what I'm taught here in the West. But it's not true. No matter if you're from the West or not, it's a lie. We are not independent beings. We are very much so interdependent and we always have been since the beginning of time. Even if you live in the West and they try and we try to convince ourselves that we're independent, that is not true. Humanity is like dominoes. What one person does impacts another, impacts another, impacts another. And it's always been that way. No matter how independent I try to make myself and no matter how much I try to unplug from the community around me and make it about my own bubble, I know that what happens in the world around me impacts me as well. There really isn't independence. We are not, human beings are not designed that way. And we don't actually have to read the Bible to know that. We can look out and say, wow, what this person does impacts me. How this person acts and how I act impacts that person. It all plays together, all of it. We can even say, hey, how, how, how my husband's parents raised him now impacts me and my children because now my husband has to try to unlearn some of the toxic patterns that he learned when he was being raised. But guess what? How his parents' parents raised them impacts the way they parented, which impacts the way my husband shows up in our marriage. The same thing for me. The same way that my parents, see, it's never independent. No matter how much we want to make it, my obedience or disobedience is going to impact somebody, whether I'm a Christian or not. That's just the truth. If I go on a killing spree and I kill 20 people, it won't just impact the 20 people I killed. It will impact their families. It will impact their friends. It will impact their teachers. It will impact their coworkers. The impact of that one person that I made, I killed, which just sounds horrible, but the impact of that one person reaches so far and reaches generation. This is what we have to understand. God is not saying that he's going to do something that is not normal for all of humanity. He is saying, look, when you don't obey me, it's going to, it's going to impact others. There is a lie that's told that I'm just going to do me because of me. Mm -mm. It's good. Your, the way you show up is going to impact the same and, and, and this is not meant to be condemning. This is meant to get us in a sober mindset to realize, whoa, my, my life, my actions, my behaviors are bigger than me. And maybe that feels heavy, 
But Jesus is saying, hey, look, come up under me and just follow me and it won't be heavy. I'm telling you, it won't be heavy. When we try to carry it on our own, it's absolutely heavy. When we realize this and we try to do so, it's heavy. But when we realize this and we say, okay, okay, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Then it gets light. Why? Because my responsibility is not trying to figure out everything for everybody. My responsibility is follow Jesus. And I can trust that by following Jesus, I will also impact positively the generations that come after me. So, so God's plan is like, hey, this is simple. I'm not asking you to fix it on your own. I'm just asking you to follow me. Learn me, follow me. Learn me, follow me. Don't follow your comfort. Don't follow what you want. Learn me, follow me. <laughs> Audrey said, it's only heavy. When we disobey God, come on, it's only heavy when we disobey God and when we try to do it on our own. And he's not asking us to do either. But he is asking us to realize that, hey, your actions impact others. And God doesn't hold that back. He doesn't, he's not like, oh, they're not ready to hear it. No, no, no. You got to hear this. Your actions will impact others. Your actions have a wider reaching range than you think they do. They do. They do. And so God is saying, hey, follow me. God is saying, hey, do what I said to do. I used to I used to cringe because in the scriptures, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. And I used to think, I mean, this is me for real. I'm just going to be authentic and honest. I used to be like, well, that just seems like I can only love you when I do what you say. Like, oh, like that's how I felt. But God was like, yeah, it's real for anybody. God is like, I'm not asking you to do something you don't ask of others. And I'm like, what do you mean? He says, if your husband loved you, if he said he loved you and then he went out and he slept with someone else, would you question his love for you? Yeah. Why? Well, because that's not part of our agreement. That's not what we Exactly. God had to show me, I'm not asking you to do something that you don't even do yourself. You want people to show their love to you by their actions. God is saying the same thing. If you say you love me, then do what I'm asking you to do because I'm not going to ask you to do anything crazy. Well, sometimes. But I'm not going to ask you to do anything that's going to lead to more harm than good. Hallelujah. And our obedience then therefore impacts generations. Erica says, I'm trying to break some of the generational issues from my family. It's genetic. Is, is it genetic or learned traits? Doesn't matter. I need to focus on God's plan. Come on, Erica. 
is it genetic or is it learned? I don't even care. Like I'm focusing. I got to focus on God's plan. I've got to focus on God and trust him. Bernie says, I feel God is leading me to go something in my career. I've been at my current job for um, less than a year. It's been, I've been seeing many PRN positions on Indeed job sites. I've been wondering, is that God's sign or my own desire? (laughs) That's a great question. That's a great question that really only God can answer for you. And I'll go down a little rabbit trail a bit. You can ask God for confirmation. I've done that. You can ask God for confirmation. Um, And then you can also listen to the interplay that happens around this thing. Am I afraid of this job? Is there fear? What, What direction is fear pointing me to go in? And what is fear responding to? Those are some of the things that I ask myself. But I'll also type in some some things that I've learned through the scriptures on how to identify the direction of the Lord, right? Identify the direction of the Lord. And this is the thing. God is not holding us responsible when we truly just don't know. It's when we do know. It's when we do know and we do it different. It's when we do know. I believe that on today, God is asking us to lay down our desire for comfort and to instead pick up Obedience to God. The one thing that gets us more disobedient, at least for me, than anything else is comfort seeking. Oh, that that sounds like it's going to be hard. (laughs) That right there sounds like it's going to be hard. I prefer to just do it this way because it's a lot easier. Comfort seeking and convenience seeking. We're kind of conditioned that way. My husband sent me a meme and it was so sad. I always complain about grocery shopping. Always. I'm like, oh, I don't want to go to the grocery store. I don't like grocery shopping. I don't go to grocery store. I always complain about grocery shopping. My husband sends me this meme and it says, people complain about grocery shopping, which is literally the easiest way Humanity has ever had to get food in our entire history. I was like, huh. The thing about comfort and convenience seeking is that it, it ne- it's never enough and you always want more. And, it, and you never want to do anything that's uncomfortable or not convenient. Or not fast and quick. So we ultimately have to lay down our comfort seeking in order to pick up and trust God. And I love that we read um, Joshua chapter 16 because it shows two sides of obedience and disobedience. 
On one side, we've got Joseph, who was obedient in spite of his circumstances. He was faithful to God while he was being wrongfully accused, thrown into prison. He was enslaved for all the stuff. And he was faithful to God. And now we have his descendants who are now in the promised land. In the place of convenience, in the place of prosperity, in the place of abundance, in the place that they prayed for. And they get to that place. And they rest in disobedience. Why? Because it's comfortable. Oh, yeah, we just get some people to work for us for free. This is great. Wonderful. Not only are we in the land, but we also got free labor. Woohoo. But that's going to come back and bite you because you didn't do what I asked you to do because you got to the, the top. You got to your mountaintop and you forgot about God. Sharice says, after 25 years of doing what I thought I'd do forever, God directed me in a whole new career. Wow. I felt his leading and then just took the steps as he opened the doors. Now I love my new job. Come on. Hmm. Donita says, I'm preparing for a fast period to get some clarity of some things with God. I just want to hear him fully and I'm led towards fasting and praying to do so. Yeah. Woo. Come on. Fasting will change your life. At least it's changed mine. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. There's nothing like telling your flesh no for an extended period of time. It'll help you get real clear. The first couple of days... You're so focused. You feel focused on telling your flesh no that you can't really hear very clearly because you're just like, no, 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 stop it. <laughs> but then eventually your flesh submits to your to you. Cause it's like, oh, oh, she mean what she's talking about this time. She ain't, she really, she's oh, she's really. <laughs> and then you start to hear God. Fasting changes changed my life. It really has. It really has. Barb says, there it goes again. Gotta have control. I want it my way. Lord, have mercy. And that's all disobedience is. It's just I'm exchanging the good that God has in the future for what I want to feel right now. And before we go, I just want to, we've got to really look at the pattern because that's how the scriptures work. It's the pattern across time, right? It's the, the pattern across time. God is showing us a pattern of humanity and how God and, and how what humanity does impacts them and how God responds. And guess what? There's nothing new under the sun. So we can find most all the patterns that we find today. It might not be the exact same topic, but it's the same pattern. And what is the pattern that we see here? That you get what you want and you get and then you get comfortable and no, don't listen to God. Why? Because listening to God was never 
the goal, the thing was. This is why we have to be careful when we get wrapped up in like the prosperity gospel and all this stuff. This is why we have to be careful because when the thing I want becomes my focus, when I get, I'll use God to get that thing. But when I get that thing, I no longer have to listen to God because listening to God was never my focus. Learning God was never my focus. The thing was, and maybe the thing is a big house. Maybe the thing is a nice car. Maybe the thing is that our my relative lives and, and doesn't die from this, this whatever. Maybe whatever the thing is, we focus on the thing we want God to do. And then when God does it, we no longer need him because God was never the focus. The thing was. That's why we've got to switch up our, our, our ideas. I've heard and I've also slipped into this where people are like, you need to give an offering in order to get a blessing. There is such danger. There is such danger in this mindset. Why? Because now I've turned even my giving into getting something from God. So now God is not my focus. The getting of the thing is. And that... What we call that is manipulation. And when you get to a point, the point that you want that person to get you to, you will discard God because you got the thing you wanted. That is why it's so dangerous. We have to be very careful about the way we function with God. Do I really want to learn God? Or do I just want what he can give me? Because that mindset will slip us into disobedience really quickly. We got to be careful. Because I used to do that, y'all. Come on. I used to have the tithe and envelope. And I would write, the, the pastor would say, write on the back of the envelope what you want God to do for you. And I would write on the back of the envelope, this money is so that God will do this for me. Woo! But God had to change my mindset and say, hey, I need you to actually care about godly missions. If you see people doing the work of God, I need you to give to them so that they can keep the lights on in the building. I need you to give the finances so that they can keep feeding the kids that they're feeding. I need you to give the finances so that they can keep doing the work that they're doing. I'm going to use your finances to turn it into food for them. If you keep making it about you, then the moment you don't get what you want, you stop giving. And then you wonder why there's no programs, things in your area to reach out to me. God's like, give. You have the finances, give. Not because you want to get something back, but because you trust me and because you want to partner alongside me in what, what I'm doing, give. Y'all, I was I was messed up. I tell you, I would give and, I would, and then when God didn't do it, I was salty. And I was like, well, what's the point of giving? My heart was like, I only wanted God. I only wanted God to give me stuff. I didn't really want his 
mission. What is his mission, y'all? What is his mission? To reconcile humanity back to him. That is God's mission. God had to get me to a point where I was like, Lord, where my prayer became, Lord, how can I use my finances in a way where souls will be saved and set free? God, how can I use my time in a way where it will lead to souls being set free? People being redeemed, people getting to know you, God. How can I use my, my time, my resources? My How can I use this in a way, Lord, that people's lives would be changed and, and people will come into the knowledge of you? Why was, why was God doing all that he was doing with Israel? There was one reason. He wanted the nations around to see the difference in Israel, hence the word holy. He wanted this to be a set-apart nation that would draw others back to him. He didn't give Israel the promised land because he was like, oh, they're so great. No, no, no. It was this city on a hill that God has always been building, a city on a hill that would shine its light so that others would look and then be turned back to God. That is the mission. So my heart has to turn towards God's mission, which is, Lord, how can I use my finances? How can I use my job that I'm at? How can I use all of these things that you've given me to steward? How can I use my marriage, my parenting, all of this so that people will come to know you? Tamika said, I used to be the same way, even with fasting. Yeah, looking to get something. Hmm. The thing about it is God is good. He gives us good gifts all the time. But where is my heart? Is my heart, do I have a desire? For God's mission. Barb says, I cringe when I watch late night Christian channels. That that water packet, <laughs> yeah, they sell things. They like they get this, get this special water from the. <laughs> that's that's what we gotta understand. That's what Jesus turned over the money changer tables about. Like when people were selling stuff in order for people to to make offerings, he was like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> Donita says, "I've slipped." tripped, bumped, walked, and stumbled into that mindset so many times before. God has been working on me, focusing on his mission over my own ideas, desires, and plans. Let that be our question. 
Whenever we feel God is leading us a direction, Lord, ask, will this, will this, Lord, help me to lead people to you? That's one of the best ways to determine whether or not I'm doing this for me or for him. Will this help me to lead people to you? Or am I just doing this because I want to want, want more? Will this, Lord, show me my own heart. Show me my own heart. God desires to place us in positions where we can lead others to him and his goodness. And much like Joseph, sometimes in order to do that, he's got to lead us into uncomfortable places. Am I willing to go through the uncomfortable places if it means that souls will come to know the goodness of God and be reconciled back to him. Let our prayer be, Lord, help me to have a desire to see souls reconciled back to you, to see people know you and have a desire to know you. Let that be my heart's desire in all the decisions I make. In all the decisions I make, in all the directions I go, let your mission be on the forefront of my mind. Let let me, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. There is going to be some times where God asks you to stay at a job you don't like. Why? So that he can reconcile someone back to him. You might not know what he's doing, but you got to trust that his mission stays the same. His mission stays the same. You might be in the biggest argument with a person and you just want to tell them off and you feel the Holy Spirit say, ah, ah. Hold that tongue. And you're like, why do I have to hold that tongue? And God's like, because I'm after them too. Come on. When we switch the mission of our life to God's mission, it's not about me fulfilling my purpose. It's not about me getting my pinnacle of success. It's not about me looking successful as the world deems success. It's about the mission of God. Look, I can I can die in a shack and the question should be, did I walk through life with the mission of God as my focus? I can live in a mansion and the question still be the same. Did I live with the mission of God as my focus? Or did I live with the promised land as my focus? 
Did I live with the luxury and the abundance and the all the things I want as my focus? Or did I live with the mission of the kingdom as my focus? Did I live with the mission of God? Look, having a big old house ain't bad right? Having a nice car ain't bad as long as I'm living with the mission of God as my focus. Come on, living in a shack ain't bad. Living in is not bad as long as I live with the mission of God as my focus. What is the mission of God? We've got to remind ourselves, what is the mission of God? The mission of God is the redemption and the reconciliation of humanity back to him. That's the mission of God. That's the mission of God. That's the simple mission of God on this side of heaven. The redemption and reconciliation of humanity back to heaven. So when I'm making a decision, I've got to strip away all the other stuff and say, look, God, I know this is your mission. And Lord, if you're leading me here, I trust that this mission will be accomplished. This is why we have to keep this as as our focus because we will get into a trap. I got into this trap that when God leads us somewhere, we're expecting it to be comfortable. But God didn't say that. God is wherever he's leading us. It's because there's mission to be done there. We have to get that. I used to think that if I, I followed God somewhere and that it ended up hard or, or, or things ended up feeling like they were falling apart, I used to think that maybe I missed God because I had this wrong idea. I had this wrong idea that if I followed God, then that must mean everything is going to be comfortable. No, no, no. If you follow God, that means that the mission of God will be accomplished, which is the redemption and the reconciliation of humanity back to him. He's just he's just using you as a light wherever. And it could be really, really hard. There were times where I would get on mornings with Jesus and like two people would show up. And because in my mind, I figured if I'm doing this for God, it should be like hundreds upon thousands of people showing up, right? Like I should be super popular because I'm doing it for God. And God's like, but I didn't. But I didn't say that. I said, do this, period. And the mission of God will be will be done through your life. So those one or two people are who God wanted to reach that day. I'm the one that created what it means to what, what it means to follow God. Like there were, were times where I took jobs because I knew God was leading me. And I thought that by taking this job, it was going to be so much better than my last job. And it was worse. I'm like, God, I, I followed you and it's worse. And God's like, I didn't, I didn't tell you. You created this thing in your mind about, you know, if I follow God, then all this will happen. You did that. You created that in your mind. I'm telling you, if you follow me, it will lead to the redemption and reconciliation of humanity because that's my mission and that's how I move. You you added all that other stuff. 
That's why it's really dangerous when we believe God is leading us somewhere. It's really dangerous to start weighing the pros and cons. Look, it don't matter. God is on a mission. Will you go on his mission? There's some of us, we're absolutely annoyed by our husband. Absolutely annoyed. Absolutely annoyed. I mean, we this close to leaving, like this close. But we know that God is telling us to stay and pray. But again, it goes to, hey, will you take my mission as yours? Will you take my mission? God's like, will you take my mission as yours? Will you will you lay down your mission and pick up mine? You can't carry both. Genesis, mission possible, redeem and reconcile. Do you accept? Join team Jesus. We look at the children of Israel and we see the promised land. Oh, they made it to the promised land. But we forget why God put them there. And they forgot too. God didn't put them there to live in the lap of luxury. God put them there to be holy. What does that mean? It doesn't mean perfect. It means to be set apart and different. We look at some of the the laws that the children of Israel had to adhere by, and some of them are just weird. Like the way they pierce their ears and whatever, whatever. Some of them are just weird, but... When you begin to understand the culture, you realize, oh, God was just trying to make them look so different than the world around them that they would draw attention to themselves and then point it back to God. All the things that God was asking them to do was so that they would look different and point back to God. But when they got their stuff, When they got their promised land, they forgot about God's mission. It happens over and over and over and over again in the scriptures. And I believe that God is showing us to show us the heart of humanity. What would happen is that they would, I'm just going to give you a spoiler. They would get into the promised land. They would forget about God. And then they would get conquered by other nations because they basically were like, God, we don't need your protection. We got it. We got it. We got it. I'm good. I got got the promised land. I got it. I'm self-made. I made it here. And God was like, all right, fine. And then they would get conquered by other nations. And then it would be so horrible where they were like, God, help us. Help us. We promised this time. If you just get us to the promised land. What was their focus? Get us out of here. Their focus wasn't the mission of God. So what did God do? God got them out of there because they cried out to him. He got them out of there, but their, their mission still wasn't his. So they get out of there and they're like, woohoo. And then they go back to doing the foolishness. And then it happens again. And God, please.
And God is saying, hey, would you exchange your mission for my mission? Would you take on my mission? God's, I'm going to remind us again before we close. Say it with me. God's mission is the redemption and reconciliation of humanity back to him. Say it again. What is God's mission? God's mission. We see it as a pattern throughout scripture. God's mission on this side of heaven is the redemption and reconciliation of humanity back to him. And why do I say on this side of heaven? Because on that, when we get there, it's not the same mission. We got to understand that, right? Like we already redeemed and reconciled back to him by that point. But on this side of heaven, God's mission is the redemption and the reconciliation of humanity back to him. The world has told us to focus on our purpose and to learn our purpose. I believe that is not true. We need to focus on the mission of God and get laser focused on that thing. The redemption and reconciliation of humanity back to him and say, Lord, I am available for however you want to use me to accomplish your mission. For however you want to use me to accomplish your mission. Think about a father who has a family business and how much of an awesome blessing it would be for their son to want to take up the family business, for their daughter to want to take up the family business, what they put their heart and soul into, that, that, that their son and daughter is like, hey, pops, I'm going to come. I, I, I see the, the work you're doing and I want to I want to work alongside you. God is saying, hey. My mission is the redemption and reconciliation of humanity back to me. That's the mission of God. That's the mission of God. We've got to keep reminding ourselves that because when we get a lot of money, (laughs) the mission stays the same. When we don't have a lot of money, The mission stays the same. When we get the big house, the mission stays the same. When we got an apartment, smaller house, the mission's still the same. Doesn't change. Our situation and circumstances change based on what God wants to do where. But the mission stays the same. The redemption and reconciliation of humanity back to God. Throughout scripture, God compares believers with the city on a hill or with salt of the earth. Why? Because the ultimate thing is that that people should see you, recognize a difference, and be turned to God. And, and, And the truth is, that most people aren't looking to see how much money you have. Get this. Look, you got to understand what the world is really looking for to see. the difference. Most people aren't looking for how much money you have to determine if your God is good. Guess what they're looking for? And I've seen this over and over. How much peace you have. Guess 
That's what draws attention. I'm telling you. And that's why, why, why Christ says, I'm, I give you peace. When we start worrying about all this other stuff and get all caught up in everything else, we exchange that peace, which is actually the life that people are looking for. This thing is messing me up. Today, God is just messing me up. <laughs> I just says, we got hoodwinked with the name it and claim it, grab it and blab it. We heard in the past. This is good for self-examination for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> grab it and blab it. <laughs> Was that really, did people say that? That's funny. <sighs> Amen. Hallelujah. Jessica says, it may not have anything to do with us personally. God uses us for his purposes. Are you okay with that? This is real. This is the real God, right? God uses us for his purposes. That's this, that's pattern in scripture. Hmm. Hallelujah. Tiffany says, the Lord has been showing me. Come on, my sister Tiffany's in the building. She said, the Lord has been showing me how the enemy has counterfeits. And they are good counterfeits, which is why we fall for them. Our mission can look good. Come on. But if it's not God's mission, it's counterfeit. Does my does the mission I'm following have God's mission at its core? You can have the heart to want to 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 start a school so that children can come to the school and all this stuff, but if at the core of it is that you just want your family to feel like you did something good, and at the core of it, it's not the redemption and reconciliation of humanity back to God, it's a counterfeit. It looks good on the outside. Woo. Come on. Hallelujah. Jessica says, I Lord, I really need to learn to hear your voice so that I can obey and live out your mission and check my heart. Come on. One of the best ways to do that is doing what you're doing right now. Reading the Bible. And looking at the pattern of God throughout time. And then seeing that same pattern stretch in our modern day history as well. God, God functions his patterns. You can, you, I tell you, you, you can take some of the patterns of God to the bank. He does what he does, how he does it across time. across time. And that's why I believe that studying the Bible for ourselves is one of the most powerful things we can do because we begin to learn God and how he's functioned across time and history. Hmm. 
I'm telling you. And if you if you are willing to after you after you study the Bible here in mornings with Jesus, if you are willing to get take like 15 minutes or just a little bit of time and begin to write out patterns that you're seeing about God today, God, I noticed that hey, with Joseph's obedience in the middle of the storm, now his descendants have a double portion. His obedience in the the in in all these places in the in the um in the prison and in slavery and all this stuff, his obedience to you, his faithfulness to you has led to his descendants, his two sons actually getting a actually getting a portion of land as opposed to just one portion of land for all his descendants is split into two and it it takes up even more space. It's amazing. I see that God. And I also recognize that they got to the land and they didn't do exactly what you said. I'm I'm looking at this and then I'm going to look through time to see how you, how, how it's dealt with, with them. If you just sit down and start writing down what you recognize about God, Right. If you just sit down and you and you write what you recognize about God and then you just start collecting data so that you can learn God, this will help you to hear God. This will help you to hear God. It will. I'm trying to tell you, I'm trying to tell you, sometimes we're waiting for God to speak to us on a mountaintop like he did to Moses. I can count on my hands, how one hand, how many times I heard an audible voice. And and typically, and I don't know if anybody has ever had this it happen to them, typically the audible voice literally just got my attention. And that was it. Didn't really give me like a, an in-depth direction. I remember one time I was laying on laying on the couch and all of a sudden I heard my name and I woke up and I went to my mother-in-law because I thought she was calling me and we were in her house. And she's like, I'm not calling you. And I lay back down and have, it reminded me of Samuel. I was like, whoa, what is happening here? But it just got my attention, drew me to a place of prayer. And then the Holy Spirit started working on the inside. So we have to understand how as New Testament believers, how the Holy Spirit says the Holy Spirit is within you. So the way that you identify God's voice from all the other voices is that you have to know his character across time. And studying the Bible, I'm telling you, you may think that it's like, but I'm telling you, it helps you to hear God's direction. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep praying even when you feel like I'm not getting nothing. Write down everything. Don't move on everything. Write down everything and begin to identify the pattern of God in your life that matches up with how he moves in scripture. Come on. Begin to take an intentional stance on learning God. The problem is we want to jump to hearing what God wants to say to us. That's the problem. You cannot jump there. You cannot jump to God. I want you to speak to me. Tell me something about me. No, no, no. In order to hear God truly, God, I want to know how you speak. What has been your character across time? Begin to research God. Collect data on him. 
Write it down. Identify patterns of how he moves. Study to know how he's moved across time. That will help you hear him. That's why we show up every morning. It's not so we can hear each other speak. It's so that when we begin, things begin to come out, we're like, oh my goodness, write it down. Begin to identify the patterns of God so that when God does direct you, you know it's him. Because it matches the pattern. Don't worry. Right now, I want you to just, look, if you are already struggling with, do I hear God? Don't even worry about getting your, your right now word, your specific word for your situation. Like, God, I want to learn how you speak, not necessarily what you're saying to me, but just how you speak and how you've spoken over time. And what are the patterns so that I recognize you in my life? I'm telling you, it changes everything. Genesis studied the real to know the real. Anything slightly different is counterfeit. That's what that's that's how the, the people that know counterfeit money, they study the real dollar really deeply so that anything that's counterfeit, they can recognize it. Come on, Erica says, I hear the Holy Spirit when I'm afraid. I ask him to guide my steps. I listen hard, but it's when I forget. Mm. She says, but I love hearing the Holy Spirit. Me too. God is good, y'all. We're going to close out right here. But I will. I, I want to encourage you. Keep pressing. Keep pressing to read the scriptures. Keep pressing in prayer. Keep pressing. Why? Because. You will begin to learn to hear God. That is the, I believe that is the most powerful thing as a believer is to understand how God moves and to be able to follow him. Sharice says, our heart should always be to know him more. Always. Always. One of the most transformational things I've ever done is when I open the Bible with the desire to know God and not the desire to fix me. There have been so many times I went into the Bible with this desire to fix me. God, fix me. Make me better. Make me this. Fix da, 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 da. I just want to be fixed. I just want to be fixed. I just want to be fixed. But when I go into the scriptures and say, God, I just want to learn about you today. Oh, man, it has changed my life. Changed my life. Changed my life. When I go into prayer, like, God, give me the answer. 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 It hasn't been as, tra- I tell you, it hasn't been as transformational as when I went into prayer and said, God, I just, what's on your heart? I just want to know you. I just want to know you. That little shift in perspective. Changes everything. Changes absolutely everything. To get the opportunity to just sit at the feet of Jesus and just know him. 
And then by knowing him, just the knowing of him changes us from the inside out. And then when we go out into the world, people recognize the difference. My family can tell you when I've been praying and studying and when I haven't, they know the difference. Because when I don't, I'm snapping at everybody. I'm frustrated. When I haven't been really worshiping and when I've just been doing things like, oh, I'm doing ministry, but I'm not actually just, oh, just seeking to know God. My family can tell every time. They'd be like, you need to go into some worship time and just some gratitude to the Lord. Just go. They know. Why? Because just spending time with God for the sake of knowing him changes your whole life. I'm telling you, it changes your whole life. I don't know how we got on that, but it does. And whoever that's for, look, you may not think you're doing anything. You may not think that you're changing. You may not, you may just feel like, oh, I'm, I've been praying and I've been studying the word, but I don't see any change. Let me, let me tell you, change is happening. Change is happening. People around you recognize it. Keep pressing into God just for the sake of knowing him. Come on. Erica says, I keep hearing for months out of faith mamas too. change your perspective, change your perspective, change your life. It's real. It's real. Hallelujah. Amen. Jessica said, I truly thank God for this platform to study together. I've always desired to read the Bible and, and understand it. And I would run into difficulty with it. And yes, well, yeah, and it's true. And yes, well, the Holy, and this is the thing. This happened in the scriptures too. This happened in the scriptures too. You remember the Ethiopian eunuch? You might not have know this story. There's an Ethiopian eunuch was trying to read, I believe the prophet Isaiah. He was trying to read one of the prophets. And Philip shows up the, and says, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, no, how can I understand it unless somebody teach it to me? I don't know what I'm reading. And so Philip came alongside and explained it. I do believe that there are people that God has gifted to be able to help us to walk through and understand the Bible. I do believe that. And I believe that that's the Holy Spirit. And I believe that. And I also believe that, that God has put us together as a body of Christ so that we can understand and see him, see a more full picture of him through the, the different things that people see, right? Come on. Jessica says, yes, while the Holy Spirit did help me see some things, but not the character of God. Or was that, um, or was, or was that God, or was I seeking my intent? Was I seeking God or was I looking for something to benefit? Hmm. Hallelujah. 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 Let's pray. Let's pray. <sighs> Father God, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. 
We thank you for how you move. There's none like you. And Lord, we pray that as we continue on this journey, that you would show us how to know you and to seek you. Lord, I pray that we truly do seek first the kingdom of God. That we truly do seek first your way, your mission. Teach us, God, how to do that. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor and we give you all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I pray that we become okay with our life getting wrapped up in seeking to know God. I pray that we become okay with laying down our own mission so that we can walk out God's mission. I pray that we become okay with not being autonomous and independent, but that we become okay with our lives being interdependent, connected to God and impacting others. Lord, help us to relinquish this fake idea of independence and help us to truly realize how connected we are to you and how much of an impact our behaviors have on humanity. Help us to change our perspective and exchange our mission for yours. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I love you guys and I pray that you have an absolutely amazing day. I pray that you start realizing the changes that are happening in your life and praise God for them. Because you're going to be changing for the rest of your life. Like for the rest of your life here on earth, as long as you continue with God, you're going to notice little changes that God is going to do in your life. Don't, don't, don't rush for God to be finished with you. Appreciate that moment by moment, as we get to know God, he's going to do work on the inside of us little by little and be okay with that. Be okay with the journey. Hallelujah. Ah, man, there's so many things I want to say. God is so good. I love y'all so much. Um, uh, Erica helps me out. Thank you so much, Erica. Like, comment, share, and subscribe. Um, you can comment your big takeaways for a chance to win a $25 merchandise gift card from Faith Mamas. So um, if you've been eyeing a shirt or a coffee mug or something like that on the Faith Mama shop, um, you could be entered into a chance to win. Just just leave your big takeaways um, in the comment section of these 
YouTube videos. I love you guys. I pray that you have an absolutely amazing day. And I pray, pray, pray that as you walk throughout your day, you take a moment to recognize God and to, to reset your heart onto his mission. Ha. Roma says, Lord, you are the potter and we are the clay. And that's all right with me. Come on. Hallelujah. I love you guys. I pray that you have an absolutely amazing day. And look, that's why it's not heavy because I don't have to be the potter. I don't have to be the potter. That's why when we take Jesus' way, he says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light because I'm not asking you to be the potter. Just asking you to be the clay. I'm just asking you to be the clay. What does the clay do, y'all? The clay just lays in a lump and the potter is the one who molds it. I don't have to mold myself. Ah, so much. So God is so good. Woo! God is so good. I love you guys. I pray that you have an amazing Wednesday and I'll see you back, Lord willing, on Thursday. Bye for now.